0: What I'd like you to do right now to get started is just kind of secretly look around, don't let let anybody know who, and just like count out five people. Just find five people. I'm not going to make you talk to them or anything, don't worry. So just find five people. Okay, now uh, what uh, statistics would say, current statistics would say that right now of those five people that you just saw, four of them are feeling very anxious about their financial situation. Uh, and then you're probably thinking, well, what's wrong with the other guy, right? As you kind of see what's going on in our world right now, I mean, you look out there and there, there's like, there's a big dark wave, isn't there? And the interest rates have just uh, had the highest hike uh, yesterday that they've had since 1994. Uh, June 13th, they said it is officially a bear market, the stock market, which means it's lost 20% of the gains that it made the the previous year. But all I have to do for you to feel like, wow, there is a wave there, this, this dark wave to say two words, which is gas prices, right? That's all it takes. And things are expensive. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at how much prices have gone up in so many things, like everywhere you go. And I, I don't feel impoverished, but I'll tell you, I do feel pinched the last couple of months. I was like, wow, what, what's going on here? And I think that we all see there's this cloud out here. But you know what? The cloud, this wave that's coming, actually, that's not what worries me. Do you know what worries me? You know what bothers me right now? Is that so many followers of Jesus are so worried about the wave. That's the thing that troubles me, is because that is not our inheritance. That's not the intention for God for us to be afraid about what's going on with finances. Bill Johnson said that everything that you think and everything that you feel comes from one of two places. And I think he's right. He says it either comes from fear or comes from love. If you think about it, you could trace back almost every thought you have, almost every feeling you have, is this rooted in fear or is this in love? You see, perfect love casts out fear, right? And God is love. So when God is with us, there is no place for fear. And so what's worry? Where does worry come from? I mean, it's rooted in this fear. And where love is, see, the kingdom is moving forward and the kingdom is beautiful and God is glorified. Where love is, God is. But where there's fear, the kingdom, it gets clouded. It's like this curtain is all around us. It hides your impact, and it hides your joy, and it hides your witness. I mean, how many have you ever said, boy, I wish I could worry like that lady worries. She's just, so what's her secret? How does she worry so much, right? It's just not a good witness. It's not showing the kingdom of God. Now, I've talked about this before, but there are four different ways that people traditionally look at money. And you probably look at it primarily in one of these ways. So we look at money like it's security. So it keeps me safe. I have a nice bank account. My 401k is looking good. And our 401ks are not looking very good right now, by the way, right? Or it's happiness. So I can, I can have fun and there's joy that comes from it. Or it's status. So I got my Tesla and look at I've got, I've got these things that say I'm right where I need to be. Or it's control. Now, I'm not saying any of those are bad or any of those are good, but that's where we usually look at money. But you look at Scripture, and we're in this series right now called Ancient Truths, and uh, or Timeless Truths. And we're going back in these times that where things are changing and shifting, and we're saying, let's go back to Proverbs. Let's go back to this old, ancient wisdom to see what the Word has to say. And when you look at the Word, it says, really, actually, no, money isn't security. And it's not happiness, and it's not status, and it's not control. In fact, that we find all four of those things from our Father. We find our security in our relationship with God, being His children. We find our joy in what He's done for us and who we are in Him. Our status and identity comes as being His, and He's the one who's in control. So let's go to some ancient wisdom here and and see what it has to say about money, about worry. Now, um, I found this from Rose Publishing. I haven't gone through, I haven't verified this, but it said, uh, how many verses on prayer and faith? would you think that the Bible has? Just a rough guess. They said 500. And so now that's a lot. Now if the Bible, if the Bible says something 500 times, you probably should pay attention to it. It's probably pretty important. Now that same source, uh, guess how many they said that you see on money and goods and commerce? How many different verses on money, goods, and commerce? 2,000. So the Bible talks quite a bit about what we do and how we handle money. And it has a huge impact on our spiritual life. It is a spiritual thing. So I want to go into Proverbs here and see what ancient wisdom says. And here's the first ancient principle. And simply this, it doesn't belong to you. Okay, get that. You got to get that. Your money doesn't belong to you. It's not your money. It's his money. In fact, if you go to Psalm 24 verse 1, it says, the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. The world, all who live in it, everything belongs to him. So all your money is actually his. You are his. Everything belongs to him. And so here's the good news. God, not yet, he has not yet ever run out of money. It is all his. He's doing good. And here's the second thing. He is never, ever worried about it. I love this, uh, this moment where um, the... Pharisees, they come up to Peter and they say, hey, don't you guys pay pay the temple tax? And you kind of see Peter like, oh no, we don't have a temple, what are we going to do? And he goes to Jesus. And I think he's probably thinking, we don't have the money to pay the temple tax. And Jesus, he's just so nonchalant about money. He's just like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Hey, just go grab a fish. And in the fish, you go out fishing, you're going to find in its mouth, it's going to have a two drachma coin that you could pay your temple tax. It's like, Jesus, he's just so unworried. He's like, yeah, money, I could put that in fish's mouths. It's anywhere anywhere you need it. He doesn't, he's not worried about it. And here's the next thing that we see in Scripture is that he doesn't, God doesn't seem to value money very highly. So let's look at this. Let's get into Proverbs 20 here. Verse 15. In Proverbs 20, 15 says, gold there is and rubies in abundance. It's everywhere. Money's everywhere you look. I'm not too worried about that, but this is the thing that's rare to me. This is the thing that's precious, but lips that speak knowledge, now that's rare. That's a rare jewel. So I'm not so much worried about money, but boy, I sure would like to see more people who walk in knowledge, who speak truth, who really have understanding in the way that they share things, right? There's all sorts of money, but there's not a lot of wisdom out there. And then if you go over to Proverbs 8, and you go to uh, verse 10. And it's the same kind of idea. And, and if you have a choice, choose my instruction instead of silver. So if you have the choice before you, but before money and my knowledge and my instruction, my wisdom, take my knowledge. Knowledge rather than gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you can desire compares to her. So God doesn't have much value for money. But you know what? He has tremendous, tremendous value for you. And see, that's good news. And here's the thing, follower of Christ, we got to quit thinking like the world does. Okay, there may be a cloud out there on the horizon, but we have a whole different idea about money, about provision, about being taken care of. And if you go over to Matthew 6, We see all about it. And this is the mindset that we have to to, to gather here. And and so in 6.8, I just want to stop for just a second right there. The Pharisees, they're talking about, Jesus is talking about how the Pharisees like to babble and pray on. And like, if I work hard enough, I pray hard enough, then I can convince God. But Jesus says, don't be like them in Matthew 6.8. Don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Listen, he already knows. He's watching you. He, he had your, he had, you had his attention before you even wanted it, before you were asking for it. You were already on his mind. And then go over to verse 25, this wonderful passage that so many of us really need to learn to take to heart and walk in. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You know, I was just at Ridgeway uh, yesterday, and there was this little bird, and he was just climbing up and down on the tree, and he, I saw him as he was just kind of eating these little bugs as he was going on the tree, and I just thought, look it. God gives him what he needs. He takes care of him. Isn't that amazing? And then, But listen, are you not more valuable than they? The answer, by the way, is yes. You are much more valuable to him than they are. And then here's just a great point. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? How does it even help us? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, one of the richest men who ever lived in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And there's our problem. We don't trust our Father, do we? We don't trust that he's going to take care of us. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's so important. See, there's all sorts of people right now that are seeking financial security. that are seeking protection through through whatever, however they can make it. And God says, no, seek first his kingdom. Seek first the things of God, the work of God in your life. Seek first his righteousness. Go after that. And yeah, and then all these other things, they'll be given to you. Everything else will be given to you as well. You will be taken care of. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. This is so good for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What are we worried about? I mean, isn't it, as you see that big wave coming in, isn't one of the things we worry about, we're just worried about enough? Will I have enough? Is there enough? Am I saving enough? Is my retirement enough? Listen to me, follower of Jesus. Listen to me. God is the God of enough. Actually, no. Listen, God is the God of more than enough. More than enough. And you see it over and over again in Scripture. There's this widow and she's got nothing. She's about to lose her son and Elijah comes and he says, okay, now fill up all these jugs or just bring me all these jars and he starts pouring oil and just God miraculously fills every single one of these jars with oil and it's enough to pay off all of her debts and it's enough for her and her son to live for the rest of their lives. It is more than enough. And then there's two little fish and five loaves and there's 5,000 people. We got to feed all these people and Jesus starts breaking it and blessing it. And it does, it's not just enough to feed the people, but there's 12 baskets that are left over. He's the God of more than enough. And I don't promise you, I'm not promising you that you're gonna have everything that you want. I'm not promising you that you're gonna have everything that you're used to, but listen, you will have enough. Whatever that wave does, whatever comes, you will have more than enough. He is going to take care of his children. Your father knows what you need even before you ask. And you have to understand who he was saying that to the disciples. And listen, the disciples did not have near the same safety nets that you do. There was nothing, they were on their own. And the Romans, at any time, they could have come in and they said, You're paying more tax. And they could have taken anything that they wanted to. In fact, if the rain didn't come down, they didn't eat. Okay? And Jesus said, Don't worry, I've got you. I will take care of you. I'll take care of your clothes. I'll take care of your food. I will take care of you. Stop worrying. Now the question is how? Well, first of all, I want to encourage you. You can actually choose what thoughts you're going to dwell on. And if you kind of think of your thinking, it's kind of like you're going down a road, right? And you make these roads in your mind and you've got these thoughts. And at any time you are allowed to take a turn At any time as you're thinking these things that make you afraid and that make you worry, you can say, you know what, I'm not going to think about that anymore. In fact, I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name because it's not love, it's fear. And I don't want anything to do with fear. And I want the love of God. And what is a love thought in the midst of that? Instead, I'm going to choose to think on what he has given me. There's a young lady I was talking to telling me about her roommate. She says, every time that I come home, the roommate tells me the bad news. She's like, did you hear? Did you read? Did you see? She said, I finally had to tell my roommate, I don't want to hear. I don't want to see, and I'm not going to read. She says it was affecting my spirit and how I looked at life. And she just said, I just need less of that right now. So she asked her roommate to stop that. You could decide what you're going to allow to come into your life. And you could decide where your mind is going to go. Now, a thought will come in, but what are you going to do with it? Are you going to reject it and throw it down? Are you going to walk with it and run with it? Choose to be hopeful. I see expectations. See, where are your expectations? What are you hoping for? What are you you expecting to come? I think it's kind of like poker chips. And I think what we do is we take all our expectations, all our chips, and we put them on that thing, and we say, okay, let's see what happens. And it affects our heart. So maybe you've taken all your poker chips, all your expectations, you're looking at the future, and you've put all your money, all your chips on the zombie apocalypse. There's not much life there. There's not a whole lot of hope if you're waiting for the zombie apocalypse, Right? But what if you take all those chips and you put it on? My father is a God of protection. My father is a God of provision. My God is a father of power. Who's mindful of me. Not just that he can. Listen, you got to get this. This is the problem. Follower Jesus, this is the problem. You know he can, you just don't believe he will. You gotta get it. He will. He will. He has. And he will, he will take care of you. That's where I'm putting my chips. My expectation is that, that the good things are ahead, that God's going to move powerfully. And see, worry always says, well, what if, what if? The, uh, our ladies went to that if gathering, and I love the shirts that you've seen around our church that many of them wear, and it says, uh, what if it's fear, even if it's faith. So Good. Even if that big wave comes crashing over me. Even if things get tight. Even if the stock market continues to go down. Even if I haven't saved enough for retirement. Even if, listen, I know who my God is. And he is a God of love. And it's not, well, what will? Well, what will? What will? It's no, no. Who will? Who is? He's there. He is already in your future. He sees it and he will take care of you. And gas prices, they may affect my vote, but you know what? They are not going to affect my peace. And they're not going to take away my joy. And it will not cause me to fear because I know I serve a God of love. Not who just can, but a God who will. A God who does. You got to get it. That God will for you. He will on your behalf. All right, here's the second ancient principle. You have to understand about money that comes way back from the book of Proverbs. And that is, it is not a tool I mean it's not a goal it's a tool it's a tool see that's one of the big things that differentiates us from the world is the world has made it a goal the world has made our careers a goal that, that, that's actually they're all just tools so if you go to Proverbs uh, 6 verse 6 now work is it's important in fact Proverbs ancient wisdom tells us work make money It says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. And in fact, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. So yes, we work. And yeah, we're called, in fact, work is a blessing. I had an old boss who used to always say, well, you know, because Adam and Eve, work is a curse. That's not true. See, Adam and Eve were placed in the garden God told Adam and Eve, now work the garden. That's a blessing for you. But then he came and he cursed the ground after sin, which just says works hard. It's not always gonna go the way that you want it to go. And that you're gonna have to struggle with it now. Before, it was, there was a little smoother path, but now, now it's a little tougher because sin's in the midst of it, but it's still a blessing. But here's the thing is we work and we ensure and we earn money, but we don't serve money, we steward money. And he tells us to work so we can steward what he gives us. Yeah, sure, for your own provision and for your family and for your fun, but also for his kingdom, for the help of others. And we have made it the goal. And Proverbs 15, 16 says, better a little. In fact, here, I love this. It's a great passage. And I wish Gina was here because there's an important part of it here. Verse 16, it says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And here's the part I wish Gina saw. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Now, I just had some brisket the other day. And here's proof right here that brisket is always better than vegetables, except, except for when there's hatred. So it's right there in the Bible, just if anybody ever asks, that brisket is better, right? But unless there's hatred, then it's worse. But there's better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And see, money often brings just as many problems as it solves, right? I like how the New Living Translation puts Proverbs 13:8. So go bring that up there for me. A rich man can use his riches to save his life. Okay, so you get in trouble, you got money that can get you out of trouble. But the poor man does not hear strong words spoken to him. Poor man doesn't even have to worry about it. Nobody's going after his nothing, right? And so a lot of times money just brings more problems than we even had. You know, I, I remember hearing a long time ago a teaching from um, Dr. Dobson, and he, he was saying, you know, in some ways it's harder to raise rich kids. And I was thinking, oh, poor babies, right? Too bad for them. But he was saying, like, if you have a rich kid, if you're rich, you can't tell your kid, we can't afford it. That tool's taken away from you. So you gotta figure out some other way to guide him, all right? Maybe so. And here's one of the greatest lessons of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread stop worrying about tomorrow it has enough trouble of its own so we come before did did anyone were you not able to eat today if so we'll take care of it right now he took care of your daily bread didn't he and tomorrow you get up and you say lord give me my daily bread not well what's going to happen lord what are you going to do, lord just give me what i need today tomorrow you're going to get up and you're going to say lord give me what i need And you know what? He's he's going to be enough. He's going to come through. and He's going to give you the bread that you need for that day. He's going to come through. Be diligent. Be steward and steward well what he has. And yeah, of course, we'd all rather have money, right? That's where we want to be. But we could get good at not having it. God actually has lessons for us in the middle of that too. I was talking to a a woman yesterday, actually, and she was talking about her trip that she went to, to Costa Rica. And they were doing vacation Bible schools. So and I thought it was so interesting. It was so telling what she said. And she said, So there were kids, there, there were the wealthy Costa Rican kids by Costa Rican standards that would come to the VBS. There, there were those kids. And then she said, And then there were the happy kids. I thought that was wow. I was like, What do you mean? She said, Well, the wealthy kids, they were just kind of above it. They felt like they were kind of too good for it, their wealth had done something to them but the poor kids they came in they were ready to receive and they were happy and they just we had such a great time with them and what if less money for us what if there is some changes and what if it meant a slower pace what if it meant a different life listen if so and i'm not saying this is what's going to happen but if so can you believe that god has good in it in your future can you believe that if god wants to change things that he actually wants to do it for the better for you because he does I've been in my lifetime, there have been six recessions in my lifetime. And my experience is that God doesn't, he doesn't just correct the market. He corrects my heart. See, every time there's time, come on, we've all gone through times where we're pinched. We're just not working. We're like, what are we going to do? Where the bill is looming. And every single time that comes, where it's like, I thought I would have more. I wanted to have more. It's It's an amazing opportunity for me to remember, okay, well, where does my provision come from? Where does my hope lie? It's a great opportunity for, for me to trust him again. See, maybe you've been really good at managing money in, in abundance, but maybe it's time to learn how to do it in scarcity. Maybe not, but listen, the heart is the important thing. So here's the third important principle, ancient principle that we see, and that is when it comes to money, we don't hoard it, we don't hold it tightly. I like how the New King James puts Proverbs 119. It says, so are the ways who is, every, who is greedy For gain. This is so good. It takes away the life of its owner. Now, I know you know people like that. That they have a lot. And all the lot that they have, everything that they have, it just kind of sucked away who they are. It sucked away their life. And if that's what we're going after, you know, it just, it's such a waste. We achieve and we achieve and we get and we get and it just sucks away our life. And we look back, it's like, what do we have? We have rubies, we have gold, but we have no knowledge of the Lord. We have no wisdom. We have no inner transformation that's that's all that really matters so as I've been seeing the clouds and I don't I mean you have to be blind to not see that there's some clouds out there like hmm, what, what kind of storm is that what kind of wave is that that's coming our way I've been asking okay God well what do you want me to do how am I supposed to prepare what do you want from me and I've asked him I think about eight times because he's not given me the answer I want but it's always the same answer And every time, now, listen, you go to your own financial advisor, but this is what my financial advisor said for me, and he may have a different plan for you, seriously. I mean, I think it's important that you would seek God if you're worried or wondering about this. Ask God what he wants you to do. But this is what he told me to do, okay? And it's very clear because he keeps telling me the same thing, the same two things over and over again. So this is what I'm going to do. Be generous, pay down debt. That's what keeps coming to me. Lord, what do you want me to do? Just be generous and pay down debt. you know why? Why I think God is asking me to do that? Because those are actions of hope. Those are actions of the future. I saw that 45%, 45% of millennials in Gen Z right now say there's no point whatsoever into saving money. And I just like, that broke my heart, not because of money. It broke my heart because I thought, what have we done to them that they have no hope? I'm sorry, if you're 40 years old or younger, listen, there's a future for you. There's hope for your future. There's life ahead for you. This is, I think this is one of the most exciting times to be alive. God has amazing things in front of you. I am so excited about this Generation Z. I am so excited about how they mean their faith, and they walk in, and they know what it means to listen to God and talk with God and move in the spirit. We're going to see some of the most powerful leaders that we have ever seen come out of this generation. Amen? Yeah, Sarah, you can clap about that. Amen. She sees them. She sees them in our youth ministry. And yeah, guys, listen, it's weird. The times are weird, and they're bumpy, and they're changing, but it is not hopeless. Fear is telling you there's no future. That's not love. So I'm paying down debt because that's a future move, right? So anytime that uh, we have an abundance here at this church, we take some of it, we give it away to other ministries and people who need it, and then we also take some of it and we put it towards our mortgage. Why? Because we're investing in the future. And I want the next pastor, when he comes, I don't want him to have a mortgage payment. I, I, I want to I sacrifice now for his future, for the future of this ministry. And so that's, that's one of the things that I'm doing. Follow Jesus, listen, there are storm clouds, there are waves, but there's a future and there's a hope. In Jeremiah 29, 11, this, I mean, come on, memorize this. If you don't have this memorized yet, and you're a follower of Jesus, it's time to memorize this one okay? Memorize this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, if you hang around Christianity very long, you're going to hear somebody say, oh, you guys, you always take that verse out of context and that's not what it means. And you know what? If you look at the context, it's actually better than what you were thinking. Because you go into the context and you see what happens, what God is talking to Israel and the first batch of Israelites have already been swooped away and taken up to Babylon. And the second batch of Israelites are about to be taken up to Babylon. See, they lost, okay? I mean, it's over. Israel is done. And that's the context where Jesus says, you have a hope and you have a future. Do you see why that's better than you think? When all is falling apart, when the wave is sweeping over you, when everything is crashing down, that's when God says, and I come and I give you a hope and I give you a future and I'm not going to harm you, I'm going to prosper you. Are you believing for a better future? See, the proof is if you do, you're preparing for it. You're investing in future leaders. You're paying off your debts. You're going forward. You're giving. You see, here's the second thing. That generosity, that's a freedom move. It's to say, I'm not going to be held by my fear. Proverbs 11, 24, 25, 26, it says, a generous man will prosper. A generous man will prosper. So maybe we know generosity and prosperity, and now we can learn it in a pinch. See, because there's something so beautiful about obedience when you don't want to obey. I actually think that's the best obedience. I mean, it's great to obey when you want to do what God wants you to do, but there's something so powerful and so beautiful and you're like, oh, I don't know. And then you do it. It challenges the flesh, and it changes us, and it transforms us. You know, you, you maybe you've heard uh, Jehovah Jireh which means God will provide. You know, the first time you find that in the Bible, it's actually when um, God tells Abraham, he says, I want you to to sacrifice your son, your one and only son. And so um, it's so amazing. It says the very next morning, Abraham got up and he starts obeying the Lord. Now listen I mean he's he's thinking am I crazy this what this is the no what I'm gonna tell Sarah I you know that he's just tormented the whole way that he goes up there and he's going and then his son says well dad where, where's the lamb for the sacrifice and Abraham knowing that the son is the intended sacrifice said Jehovah Jireh God will provide and so then of course God stays his hand and then God does provide a ram in the thicket there and God gives him what he needs for the sacrifice but it's amazing that that idea, Jehovah Jireh, the first time it comes out is through this excruciating obedience of, okay, God, I don't understand it. I, I can't think of a worse command, but I'll do it. I will obey. There's something beautiful about obedience. You're like, I'm not sure how to do this, but God, I'll, I'll just do it. I'll be generous anyway. I'll give to those neighbors, those friends, whatever, that ministry that needs it to because it's gonna change the hold that money has on you. There is was this... Uh, little uh short video that uh, pixar came out with called piper uh, a number of years ago it's about these little birds these little sandpipers and uh there's it starts off with this little baby sandpiper and he's out in the bushes in his nest and he's sitting there putting his mouth up wanting his mom to feed him and mom is over by the the shore and she's like "Uh uh-uh time for you to get out of the nest he's like "Uh uh-uh she's like come on and so finally he comes on out and then they get underneath uh, this wave and, and uh, all the sandpipers, the waves would come. And when the waves would go forward, come down, then, you know, all the sandpipers would run away. And so this wave is bearing down on them, much like many of us feel like a wave is about to bear down on us right now. And we're looking at this big wave. And, and that little guy just freezes and the wave goes over and just messes him up. And he's like, the next picture shows kind of like how he's just a little little shook after the whole thing. And he's not going to go anywhere near. He goes back up to the nest. He's like, uh-uh, I'm never going there again. And he's just waiting, uh-uh. And then finally, though, he meets this little uh, sand crab friend of his. And this little sand crab uh, takes him down, and they go down into the water together. And the next wave is coming, and the little sandpiper's freaking out. And he's like, sand crab, get out of here, you know. I mean, he's not talking, but you can tell that he's worried. telling him to go. And the little sand crab just kind of digs in. And so the sandpiper's like, okay, and he digs in too. Because it's the same way for us. This big wave is coming, and what we do is we just dig in. We just dig into the truth. We dig into our Father. Just kind of bear down, like, all right, if that's what's coming, that's what's coming. And then the wave crashes over him, and he's okay. And then he sees this next scene where he sees that all the shells, they actually, they come up when the water's there. And he sees this beautiful scene and all these treasures and he's so excited because he starts running around and he starts picking up all these shells and he's giving them to his friends and giving them to his family. And it's like a whole new world has opened up because he just dug in and he let the wave come. I want you to understand something about your future. There may be a wave. And I know right now it looks ominous and it looks dark, but listen, there's new treasure coming for you. There's new life. And if you'll just dig in, if you'll say, okay, I'm looking to Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I'm gonna trust in him, that wave's gonna come over you. And I'm telling you, listen, you are going to find new treasures and new life that you couldn't have found any other way. It's like the wave had to come. You had to go through it in order to get what God wanted to bring you. And so are there gonna be higher prices? Probably. But you know what, I'm certain if there are higher prices, you know what else there's gonna be? There's gonna be new spiritual riches. And if you had to choose, which would you take? Would you just say, oh no, I'd rather I'd rather keep the low prices so I and miss out on the spiritual riches that God has for you. And there's probably going to be more chaos. Probably more chaos comes. But you know what comes with great, more chaos? Greater closeness. Listen, if you're not in a small group, if you're not connected, now is the time, church. We need one another right now. We are going to need to be connected like never before as we go forward. And that's what God has for us in chaos is closeness, not only to one another, but to him. And would you trade it? Would you say, you know, if things could just be calm, I would let go of being closer to Jesus? Or maybe there's, you know, bumpy times. Bumpy times are coming over right now. But you know what happens when you hit a bump? You look up, what's going on? Because with bumpy times come clearer vision and greater direction. And you start to pay attention to where you're going. And which would you rather have? A nice smooth ride that leads to nowhere or a bumpy ride that leads to glory? grace and life and the power of the kingdom of God. Which would you choose? We are not of this world. Stop thinking like this world does. Stop worrying. Start hoping. Start believing. Start anticipating for the future. I wonder, I wonder what God is going to do. Oh, it's going to be so good. God, my provider. God, my protector. God, my hope. God, my power. There's a future and there's a hope for his children. And I wonder, I'm just so excited to see how he is going to fulfill his promises to you. I'm so excited that the new treasures that he's going to bring out into your life as you go through new difficulties and things you've never walked before. I'm so excited how the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, will provide not just enough, but more than enough. He will give you everything you need and more. And I'm so excited how your faith is going to be built, how the treasures will rise, and how you're going to walk in hope and the rest of the world's freaking out and you're just going to keep on going down the road. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, Lord, thank you for the good things that you have in store for your children that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, these amazing treasures that are before us, unimaginable riches that are coming, Lord. God I thank you that they're the real ones Lord that we don't just we don't pray for money we, we know you got that covered we pray for transformation we pray for your spirit we pray for your power we pray for your life we pray for new character and new insight we pray for new burdens for those around us Lord God we just say if this wave is going to change us, if it's going to bring that then let it come let it come God if it's going to bring me closer to you let it come if it's going to make me more like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have us. I thank you, Lord God, that you are enough, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at GraceMontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.